Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. If you have a Bible with you today or your electronic device of choice, if you will go with me this morning to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 is where we're going to begin together in our time this morning in the house of the Lord. This morning I want to talk to you about leading. We have been in a series on love, live, and lead, and we're picking back up in the lead portion, and I want to talk to you about leading. You know, leading is a process that gets someone from where they are where they need to be. When you look up the definition in the dictionary, you look up the definition of the word lead, you'll find descriptions like these. To show the way as lights lead the way. To direct the course as with a river or stream. Persuasion or influence to a course of action. I want you to pay special note of that last part, a persuasion or influence to a course of action. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we come together in this time in the Word, Father, we just give this time to you. Lord, all week long we've heard all kinds of messages through different medias, Lord, through the news through social media, through friends and acquaintances. Father, this morning, more important than anything, I pray that we will hear from you. God, we need to hear your heart. And so I ask, Father, first of all today, that you would give me the uh, ability to speak on your behalf. I want to speak my opinion, my thoughts. I want to share today what you want these people to hear. Secondly, my prayer is that for the next few minutes, God, you'll help us to shut out the things of the world and what's going on around us, and for the next few minutes, center our attention on you, and that, uh, God, you'll give us the ability to hear today, hear with our hearts what you're speaking to us. You're not just the God of the past but you're a God of our present. And I believe, Father, just as you spoke many years ago, you're still speaking today. And I pray, God, that you will speak to us in this place. We will hear and receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Jesus Christ described leading in this way. We find it in our passage of Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Look there with me, if you will. He said, you are the light of the world. Notice that's an emphatic statement. That's not a question. That's not a maybe. It's an emphatic statement. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Our light is the light of Christ living inside of us. Our light is to shine for only one purpose, and that is to lead people to a destination, and that destination is Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, friends, points one way. Everything that we do as a church, we do lots of different things. It's all about pointing people one way, one place, one destination, and that is Jesus. Titus, if you'll help me with that video. When, when you fly in an airplane at nighttime, it's actually pretty tough to find the runway. You can fly over a city and there's lots of lights that are going on, but to find a, a simple runway that's 75 feet wide can be really tough in the dark. And so what they do, Titus, if that stops, just replay it, buddy. What happens is when you get on approach to an airport, the airport lights will come on to identify the runway. One of the difficulties, though, often you may see the runway, but you've got to get lined up with the runway. You can't go sideways, and so there are approach lights that lead you to the runway. It's the destination. Friends, your call, my call. The purpose of my life and your life is to be like a light, like an approach light. And we're pointing people to a destination. And it's not about just getting, you know, how many of you know if you're in an airplane at nighttime, it's not important you just find the airport, but you want to safely get on the ground at the airport. Our hope, our aim, our focus is not just to point people to Jesus, but to help people meet Jesus and find him as their Savior and Lord. There's a purpose in our lives as believers to not just help others find Christ, but to help lead them to a relationship with him. That is the destination. Now, there's a purpose for our lives as believers, and that is to lead, to lead people towards Jesus, not only through our verbal witnessing, but coupled with it through our lives. The characteristics of our lives should lead others to the point of Jesus Christ. Our lives, our lives should lead the way. Just like a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Just like the light that shines from our lives, it should shine that everyone can see. You see, every part of my life is about the process of leading. The light of Christ in us is consistently shining through us in every facet of our life. As I was preparing for today and asking the Lord what I might share with you, 
I felt prompted in my spirit to take you back to a passage that I shared with you back at the end of the winter time. It's the passage we find in Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 and verse 36. It says, Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. We find that God had a purpose for David in his generation. And there's a couple things I really want us to pick up on today. Number one is this. God had a purpose for David. But coupled with that, God had a purpose for David in his own generation. Now, there are many things that you and I today, when we talk about King David, a lot of things that we could say. We could say he was a good king. We could say he was a good shepherd. We could say he took care of the sheep for his father. We could say he was a man that God picked to be the king over Israel. We could say, as the scripture says, that David was a man after God's own heart. We could say even David, we see his humanity when David falls into sin with Bathsheba. We can also say we know a repentant heart through David. We read about it in Psalm 51 when he says, oh God created me a clean heart. We know David is a man that God restores. We know that David is a man that God mightily used. But I want to bring you back to the point. The point is this morning, God had a purpose for David. Every generation, in every generation, in every people, God has had a plan. For every man and every woman, God has a plan. There's no one, no one, say no one with me. Say it again. There is no one in the kingdom that's just another number. Psalm 139 reiterates it like this. You know everything about me, God. You see me. You know everything I do. You, God, knit me together. You saw me, O God, before I was born. And listen to these words. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Now, when you read through the Bible, one of the things you'll find is different individuals are given to us as an incredible example. We find Adam is created for his own generation. We find Jacob made for his generation. We find this past week as I was doing my Bible reading, I came across a scripture talking about Moses and how you know Moses had done all of these things and all the things we know Moses for. You know what? Moses didn't even start doing that till he was 80 years old. So if you're here today and you say, you know what? My season is over. How many of y'all in this room are 80 or above? Lift your hand. You're in good company with Moses today. Moses didn't even start till he was 80. So I want to encourage you, never feel like my season is over. Listen, our season and our purpose is never over until we breathe our last breath on this side and we go to be with the Lord in eternity. As we head back into this series and we're talking about leading This is what we're talking about. People like Elijah and Elisha. 
people like Samuel, a young man who was called out by God even as a boy. The Apostle Paul, and we find the Apostle Paul steps into ministry because of a man. The only place we read in the entire Bible about this man, his name is Ananias. God sends Ananias there to minister to the Apostle Paul. John, Peter, we could go on and on. All of these created for God's purpose for their time, each in a different way, but each for their generation. Listen to the words of Proverbs 20 and verse 24. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. What does that mean? That means that God has a purpose for our lives. Now, the first thing I want to remind you of today is this. God has a purpose for our generation. God hasn't forgotten about us. God hasn't written us off. God hasn't set us on the sidelines. You see, we find that David, the scripture says in Acts that David served God's purpose in his own generation. But the truth is, the Bible says he died. He was buried with his ancestors. His body decayed. He went by the way. His season is over, but ours is not. Moses cannot touch our generation, but we can. Peter and Paul can't do it, but we can. Great men and women of the faith, people we might call generals of the faith, can't do it, but we can. But what you and I can do, friends, is we can stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. The book of Hebrews says, you and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Only you and I can touch our generation. This generation belongs to us for every generation for every generation God has a purpose now the truth is how many of you know things are kind of crazy right now in our world wow this was this past week was a week of real potential of problems reactions in our world today no matter how crazy it may seem in fact i might even describe it this way the more crazy the greater the purpose the more messed up the greater the purpose Often we say, wow, everything's out of control. Sin is growing rampant. Sin is everywhere. People are doing terrible things. God must be absent. But actually, I would tell you, God has an even greater purpose. See, God had a purpose for a city called Nineveh. So he sent Jonah. God had a purpose for Israel. So he sent Jeremiah. God even had a purpose for Sodom and Gomorrah, and he allowed Abraham to stand in the gap for them. I would submit to you today that God has a purpose for America. So he brought you and I. Can I bring that down just a little bit smaller? 
God has a purpose for Grant County. Those of you who have lived here any length of time, you know that Grant County is not what it once was. You know, for a lot of years, we had a lot of factories. We had a lot of uh, jobs. We had a lot of really strong things happening in Grant County. And we've seen over the years how many of those things that have left. And we wonder, wow, is there anything left for Marion? Is there anything left for Grant County? long as there's one person left in Grant County that doesn't know Jesus Christ, God has a purpose for Grant County. God's purpose for this generation can be traced back to the commission of the early church in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. Jesus' last words to the disciples in Mark 16 and 15 was this, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. God's purpose for our generation, God's purpose for Grant County is that Grant County would come to know Jesus Christ. Matthew records Christ's words just before he ascended to the Father in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Our task is to lead through all means possible to get people to find Jesus. Matthew 24 and 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Mark 13 and 10, and this gospel must first be preached to all nations. Luke 24 and 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations nations. Acts 1 and 8, we know it well, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's the sum of it all. Here's the sum of the whole purpose, 2 Peter 3 and 9. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, somebody say everyone, everyone. but everyone to come to repentance. David Ravenhill once said, God's longing, God's heartbeat is to reach the nations of this world with the message of his love and new life through Jesus Christ. Reinhard Bonnke, the great missionary to Africa, quoted these words, we are to plunder hell and populate heaven for Calvary's sake. God is passionate and God is purposed about connecting men and women with the message of Jesus Christ as their Savior. And around the world today, God is revealing himself to men and women in profound ways. Why? Because he's a God of purpose.
Well, if he's a God of purpose, and I was born and you were born with purpose instilled in us, and if God has a purpose for my generation, then God must have a purpose for me in my generation. You know, we often struggle with the fact that my life, does my life have much purpose? And, and, and is, is my existence here really have much meaning? We often are asking the questions, where is my purpose? And where is my life found in the big picture of what God is doing? Often we have heard sermon after sermon, we've listened to teaching after teaching on topic after topic, and each one of those sermons, each one of those teaching is a piece in the puzzle. But often we don't make the connection between God's purpose in our world and my purpose. And truthfully, God's purpose and our purpose should be the same. Now, when that doesn't happen, when God has a purpose and I have a purpose that's outside of God's purpose, what we find as a result is as believers, we become satisfied with our salvation experience alone. We're on our way to heaven. Our sins have been forgiven. We are living in his blessing. We are enjoying his blessing. We are living in his favor. We're enjoying in his favor and we settle into a new purpose. And that purpose is just to come on the weekends, to fill our seat. How many of y'all know we all have a seat in church? Just sit in a different place next week and you'll find out who else's seat you're sitting in. <laughs> How many times... I'm not asking for hands. It's not time for repentance. How many of y'all walk in church and go, look at your spouse and say, they're sitting in our seat? <laughs> or what are they doing? <laughs> when we become content with those things, we're content just to come and sit in our seat, read our devotional during the week, do our things and just try to hold on until the end. And our purpose becomes about me just making heaven. My focus is on me. But my friend, there's a place of divine destiny. I have prayed that God would help me today to have words that were not just my words. Friends, I want to tell you, there's a place of divine destiny for which you have been created. There is a divine purpose for your life. True success cannot be measured by the world's methods. You will not be fulfilled when you've made enough money. How many of you know there is never enough money? The rich, what do they want? To be richer. Those who have, what do they want? We want one more. Success will not be measured when we've met enough goals. 
Our purpose in life will not be fulfilled when we have made a comfortable enough life for ourselves. All those things, don't misunderstand me. All those things are nice and they're fine. I don't know about you, but I enjoy nice things. I'm so glad we didn't have to walk to church today. I'm glad I didn't have to hitch up a horse and wagon to get us here. How many of you know, we run behind and we got cars. We'd never make it if we had to get the horse and buggy out. <laughs> if instead of going to the refrigerator to get the eggs and bacon, you had to go out and collect the eggs and you. <laughs> yeah. How many of you know, things would be different. I'm okay with blessings. I think they're great but they're not the ultimate fulfillment and they're not the ultimate purpose of our lives. As a believer in Christ, my calling and your calling is joining God in his purpose for our generation. For this is where we'll find our greatest fulfillment. Because the truth is, friends, everything else is temporary. You can spend your life working on building your health, and that's a great thing. Only to find that you're in great health and you can die of a heart attack tomorrow. You can have managed your finances well. You can have everything you need financially, and you're set for the rest of your life. An economy change and it's all gone tomorrow. There's a gentleman I, a couple years ago I came in contact with and this gentleman had really uh, done well for himself financially and set himself up and he was 38 years of age and he was already retired and everything was set and all he had to do for the rest of his life was just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And I remember one day he and I were together and he goes, I have got to find something to do. He said, my life has absolutely no substance right now. He said, I don't have to work. I don't have to go out and earn a living. When I go to the bank, the money's always there. But he said, I don't have any purpose for my life. It was a great opportunity because he doesn't know Christ as his Savior. And I was able to step right in and talk about a greater purpose that God has for him. Friends, our purpose will not be measured by how the world measures it. Our purpose will be found and our satisfaction in the purpose of life will be found in God's purpose. The danger of not understanding what God's purpose for our life is that we can be busy doing and being but never really accomplishing anything. The temptation for all of us is to serve ourselves, to serve our own purpose, to serve our own desires, to serve our own plan. 2 Timothy chapter 3 warns us that in the last days of the preoccupation of man's heart and what it'll be like. Listen, listen to these words. These words were uh, penned many years ago. And they describe well the atmosphere of our world today. Listen, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. 
people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud. Notice verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. The problem is when we begin to love pleasure more than we love God. Mankind, it's in our, it's in our human nature. We want to serve our purpose rather than the purpose of God. We know what that looks like in the world, and we know what that precipitates in the world. But we also can see what happens to it within the body of Christ. When in the body of Christ we begin to serve our purpose rather than the purpose of God, everything, everything about the church becomes about us. I'm just going to leave that right there. When it becomes about us, we find ourselves lost and disconnected with the vision of God's purpose for our lives in this generation. And we have no real sense of direction and we simply drift through life aimlessly with no sense of real purpose of God in our lives. He has saved us and he has called us because of his great purpose. I want to share a quote with you that I shared a few years back. This quote comes from Miles Monroe, a preacher of the gospel who several years ago was, was uh, killed in a tragic accident. Listen to this quote. He said, the wealthiest spot on earth is not the oil fields of Kuwait, Iraq, or Saudi Arabia. Neither is it the gold or the diamond mines of South Africa nor the uranium mines in the Soviet Union. Though it may surprise you, the richest deposits on our planet lie just a few blocks from your home. They rest in the local cemetery. Buried beneath the soil, within the walls of those sacred grounds, are dreams for God that never came to pass. Songs that were never sung, books that were never written, paintings that never filled a canvas, ideas that were never shared, visions that never came to reality, inventions that were never designed, plans that never went beyond the drawing board of the mind, and purposes that were never fulfilled. Our graveyards are filled with potential that remains potential. There's a wealth of potential in each one of you. You and I must decide if we're going to rob the world or to bless it with the rich, valuable, potent, and untapped resources that are locked away within you. Often when we think about our lives, we think, I don't have anything to offer. We think nobody in this world is going to be uh, changed, encouraged, or refreshed with what I have. Now, when we look at other people, we say, man, they are really gifted, and they can really do this well, and they, they really excel at doing this. But just say, you know what? 
I can't really do anything. I, I just don't have the ability. I want to tell you about a blessing that came to us this week. Paula and Colton and I had went to lunch uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, we went in and we ate our lunch and we came back out. And the car was parked right up by the building. And when we came out, I noticed that there were a couple of individuals that are standing uh, on the sidewalk in front of the car. And so we came out and one of the guys said, hey, uh, what would you recommend on the ice cream list? He was at Ivanhoe's. <laughs> and we're like, all of them. <laughs> and so we kind of went through and told him about, yeah, I like this shake and I like this thing and I like that thing and the strawberry shortcake is to die for. And it's just, oh, wow, there, there's nothing here that isn't good. And so we chatted for a moment, and we were preparing. To, I, I went over to open the door to set my iced tea in the car, and when I did, he said, uh, one more question. He said, is there anything I can pray for you about today? Like, man, you just hooked up with a preacher. Absolutely. <laughs> How long you got, man? So we walked back up to the sidewalk, and they were just there simply sharing the gospel with people. And they said, do you have some needs? And so, yeah, we, between the three of us, we said, hey, this need and this need and this need. And these, these gentlemen stood right there with us on the sidewalk at Ivanhoe's. And let me tell you, the food was really good that day. But when I got in the car, sorry, Mark, but I couldn't have cared less about the food. We sat down in the car, and I looked at them, and I said, I don't know that my life and my heart has ever been so encouraged as my heart was encouraged today. Listen, these guys didn't do a hard thing. They didn't pray the most extemporaneous prayers I've ever heard in my life. This guy just simply said, do you have anything I can pray for you about today? And I'll be honest, these were just ordinary guys, and they just prayed. I'm telling you what, I was so blown away. It, it lingered with me all afternoon, and it's still, I tell you what, as I'm talking about it right now, it's building up inside of me. It wasn't a big thing. It was a hard thing. Just the guy saying, is there anything I can pray for you about today? So often we say, you know what, I can't. I can't speak, I can't sing, I can't lead, I can't do this, I can't do that. I don't have gifts, I don't have talents like these other people do. Listen, friends, God is not looking in your life for what you don't have. God is looking for what you do have. How do I know that? Because Psalm 139 says, He uniquely created you. The good news is, some of you are very forward. Some of you are very forthright. You know, I don't, any of y'all ever in this room ever been out to eat with Ford McGibbon? If you have, raise your hand. Man, couple things you'll know about Ford. When Ford sits down to eat <laughs> and the food starts coming, Ford starts dancing around. Man, I've never seen anybody more excited about eating than Ford McGibbon is. 
I'm telling you, he gets so wrapped up, and it was hilarious because we were with a group of people the other day, and I've been out to eat so many times with Ford, the food came, and I started dancing around. <laughs> I, oh, no. Oh, no. He's wearing off on me. <laughs> One of the other things, if you've been out to eat with Ford McGibbon that you know, I have never... To my knowledge, I have never been out to eat with Ford McGibbon, and he didn't talk to the waitress or the waiter about how much Jesus loves them. Never. Never. And you know why? Because that's a gifting in him. Listen, I'm the preacher. If we were together, you would think... I would be the one doing that. Instead of saying, Ford's doing it. And you know why? Because he's really good at that. His gifts and my gifts don't have to be the same. Jesus, help us in this. This is not about comparison. Your gifting does not have to be compared to somebody else's gifting. And what you're good at doesn't have to be matched up with what somebody else is good at. And Ford being really good at that has nothing to do with my gifts. We just need to operate in our gifts. The things that God's placed in you, do that, be that. Maybe yours is kindness. Maybe yours is like the guy we met this week. Just, is there anything I can pray with you about? Maybe yours is reaching out to somebody in need. I don't know what you're... Maybe yours is sending a card. Maybe yours is sending a text. Let me tell you, there's so many people on Facebook. I would encourage somebody to take that. Use your encouraging gifts on Facebook. Inundate Facebook with blessings. Wherever your gift is, just use it. Just use it. Because God has a purpose for our generation. And if it's, if it's our generation, you and I are a part of it. Therefore, God has a purpose for you, and God has a purpose for me. So how do I do that? How do I do that? I just want to share a couple, in closing, very quickly, a couple things. Number one, it's about surrender. It's about surrender. I read to you the quote from Miles Monroe that said, there's so many things that people died with still in them. When we go out, I pray we'll go out empty. We'll give out everything we have. We'll do everything he's purposed for us. I don't want to go with your blessing still inside of me. And I don't want you to go with my blessing. Don't you dare die with my blessing still in you. I need it. There's purpose. It's bound up inside of you. But listen, only you can release it. Only you can take the step. Only you can be like the man at Ivanhoe's who just said, is there anything I can pray with you about today? 
comes to a point of surrender. When I say, God, these are the things you've given me. These are the things you've placed in me. You'll notice Acts 13, 22, when it talked about David, it said David was a man after God's own heart. That's a place of surrender. It didn't say David was a man after David's heart. He was a man after God's own heart. So it's a place of surrender just saying, Lord, now listen, I'm just going to be real honest with you. Sometimes we sit back and we go, man, I don't know what my things are. I don't know what my things are. We're going to do our best as a church to help you find them. But before we get that done, I want to encourage you to just say, God, how many of you think God still speaks? Amen. How many of you believe God can speak to you? If you believe that, lift your hand. Amen. If you believe that, then I want to encourage you to say, God, what is it that you have for me? How can I be a part? Then secondly, you go join God where he's already at work. How many of you know if you've been in the church world any length of time, we're always waiting. We're always saying this phrase, one day God is going to do something great. One day. God's going to do something great in my life. One day, God's going to do something incredible in our community. How many of you know, how many of you know God is at work? We sang about, you couldn't have, she couldn't, she didn't know what I was sharing today. You couldn't have led better songs. Even when I don't see it, you're working. God is at work in Grant County. God is at work in our church. God is at work in my neighborhood. God is at work in Indiana. God is at work around the world. God is at work. All I need to do is go and join with him. Have you ever been... Have you ever been doing a task and you were really laboring hard? Let's, let's, let's say for a moment, put your, your thinking caps on for a moment. Imagine with me a large pile of gravel right here. And I've got my shovel and in fact I came prepared. I've got three or four shovels with me. And I'm here and I'm shoveling the gravel um, Colton, can I borrow you? And four since I picked on you earlier, we already warmed up. Will you two guys just stand right here? Just stand right here on the side. And I want to give you a scenario. Now, let's say they're here. They're great friends. They're both believers. They're talking about Jesus. Ford is saying, I love you. That's the, other, that's the third thing. If you've been around Ford, you can't be around him without three seconds. He said, I love you. And I appreciate that about you. And I'm over here shoveling gravel. And they're over on the other side of the platform. And they're going, well, maybe one day God will help us. And God will tell us what he wants us to do. And you know, Ford is saying, you know, well, Colton, I wish God would just directly tell me what he wants me to do. And, and I'm all along, I'm over here shoveling. 
and I've got extra shovels. And I'm just shoveling, and, and then Colton breaks into a moment, and even tears up a little bit and says, I just wish God would verbally come down and tell me what he wants me to do. And all along, God is over here at work, and he's got me working with him shoveling gravel. Do you understand just let, let's take down all the um, spiritual arguments and everything else we've got for it. Do you understand how ridiculous this is? I'm here working. They're standing there. Sta Have you ever been working like this and somebody else is standing around? Does it make you all happy? I'm going to be honest with you. That's where my goat gets tied, right there. Man, you can ask my wife. That's where my goat gets tied right there. It strangles him. I'll tell you that. And you're just showing. They're just, they're just over here yakking it up. And all along, they're yakking it up. Saying, what does God want us to do? Let me, let me give you the deepest theological point I can make. Here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to come over here and get one of the shovels already available. And God wants you, and he wants you to join together in what God's already doing. Listen, you may be here, and while you're here, and y'all want to help me? I brought them, but I thought they were still going to just stand and watch me. <laughs> and, we're, <laughs> and we're so <laughs> I get my commotion together and we're just shoveling and we're force talking while we're shoveling <laughs> and we're just working together now maybe while we're working together and we're shoveling the gravel God may start doing something over there. And while we're working together, Shama Gavel, God may say to Colton, listen, I'm laying some things on your heart, and there's another pile of gravel over here, and I want you to come and you work on that pile. And, and while Ford and I are still together, and Ford's talking, and he's, and he's dancing when the food comes, and we're working together, God may start saying to him, listen, listen, I've got something for you. And there's, there's a pile over here, and I want you to start working on this pile. God has something for us all to do, but we've got to engage. We're waiting on God to do something. He's all, let me just tell you, he's already doing it. He's already at work. We just got to join him. We got to join. Thank you, brothers. Give these guys a hand. They did a great job. I'll close with this passage, Romans 10 and 14. How can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? God has a purpose for you.
And he has a purpose for you in our generation. And so how do I get hooked up with that? How do I do that? First comes by surrender. Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. And then go join him. Go join him where he's already at work. Get engaged. Get engaged. Your engagement in the process may be you're sending out those kind, encouraging words to somebody. Maybe your engagement is you are interceding in prayer for other believers. Your engagement may be, uh, you know what, last weekend we, we had uh, the hot dogs and the dad's root beer for, for the dads. James cooked all those hot dogs for everybody. He, last, he engaged. See, it, it, it doesn't have to be lightning bolts. Sometimes it's cooking hot dogs. Sometimes it's handing out a dad's root beer. Say, we're really proud of you, dad. We're proud of what God's doing. Just find a place and get engaged. Get engaged. Today as you're here and we're coming to conclusion this morning, I wonder, is your desire today, you want to fulfill God's purpose in our generation? History, history records for us people who left a mark. They weren't always the smartest, weren't always the most qualified, weren't always the most equipped, but they were world changers. Most of you in this room have heard of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was an incredible evangelist for the cause of the kingdom. D.L. Moody came to know Jesus Christ not by an incredible orator, preacher of the gospel, wasn't in a mass crusade. D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman. And God used a simple Sunday school teacher to go by the shoe store and talk to D.L. Moody about Jesus Christ. And the world, the world is still. Today you can turn on your radio. Many of you during the week, you listen to Moody. 97.9. And the gospel goes out still to this day. I would say I don't credit that as much to D.L. Moody as I do a Sunday school teacher who went by a shoe store and shared the gospel. I wonder how, DL, how many D.L. Moody's are in our town. I wonder how many world changers are in our town that you and I may not, we not be, be the one that's out there on the front line. We may be the person that's a Sunday school teacher. We might be the janitor. We might be the neighbor. We might be the person that just walks in on a regular basis to that business, and yet God wants to use us. How does it all happen? I surrender God what I have, and then I go get engaged.
Would you bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come to you today. And Lord, I come knowing that you're a God of purpose and knowing that I don't just exist and <clears throat> there's no one in this room today that just exists. Their life is not an accident. They're not here just by chance. They're not a mistake. They're not worthless. But they're of incredible value. Their life has more value than they can ever begin to estimate. Father, I ask you today to speak to our hearts. I pray, God, that we'll be challenged. <clears throat> and I pray, God, that we'll not just be challenged, but God will we'll respond to the challenge. And then we'll, in response to that, take steps of faith. God, I believe today this is a divine moment. I believe, God, you're doing something today in all of our hearts that's never going to leave us the same again. Help us, I pray. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> Today in this place, if you would say in your heart, I believe that God has a purpose for my life and I want to fulfill that purpose for him. If that's you, would you please step out and make your way to the front of this building and stand across the front. You say, I believe that God has a purpose for my life and I want to fulfill that purpose. Would you step out from where you're at and come and join me because I'll be honest with you, I'm standing here today because I believe that of me. You say, I believe my life has purpose. I believe my life has purpose and I want to fulfill that purpose. I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just be. Oh, God of heaven. If you would just move in as close as you can. I want to give as much room for as many to join with us across the front together. Jesus. Friends, he's not asking for what you don't have. There's nobody that knows better what's in you than God because he put it there. I'll be honest with you. My natural self as a pastor and doing what I do I look at other pastors and wish I had their gifts and I'll be honest with you I'm often tempted to say 
what I have is not very valuable. Just being honest with you. And God continues to remind me a lot of times through my wife that my gifts are not to be compared with somebody else's gifts. See, God has a call on Wayne Ellis's life that is not my call. I can't fulfill his. He can't fulfill mine. Ben, God has things for you. He doesn't have for me. He has things for you, for me, that he doesn't have for you. James, God has things for your life. You are not here by accident. God lovingly designed and created you. And nobody can take your place. No one. God uniquely has put gifts. God has brought you to a time and a season right now. God is doing things in you as you study and you work hard and you labor. God is developing and doing things in you. There's nobody else like you. No one. You are uniquely created for His purpose. You don't have to be like somebody else. You don't have to try. You know, I'm always reminded of the story with David and Saul. David, they were sending him out to meet Goliath. What they do? They put all of Saul's armor on David. And David said, I can't even walk with this stuff. I can't do this. Why? Because it was made for Saul and not David. And so God took David out there. No armor. A few stones and a slingshot. Some of you today are going, all I have is a slingshot and I need armor. No, my friend, you only need what he's given you. Just run with it. Oh, Jesus, my prayer is that you will be released to run. Run with what he's put in you. Run with what he's placed in your life. Would you join me and hold your hands out like this as just a means of surrender? That's all it is. It's just a means of surrender saying, I, I have it all and I give it all to you. I'm going to lead us in prayer and I want to just encourage you, surrender. You, you talk to him and just say, Lord, I surrender it all. I surrender my giftings. I surrender the things I'm good at. I surrender things I'm not so good at. I surrender my whole life to you. Would you pray that way as I pray, Father in heaven, today I come to you. And Lord, as, as me and these men and women, young people, stand before you. We're standing right now in your presence. And as we're standing right here, God, I just say... Here it is. 
I have disdained it sometimes. I have said it's not enough so many times. I've spent so many years comparing. God, you put the things in me that you wanted me to have. So, Lord, I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you for your glory. I give it to you for your name. I give it to you for your sake. And Lord, together as a body of believers, we surrender. We surrender. Lord, to your will, your way, and your purpose. In the name of Jesus, we give it to you. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name as a result of that surrender. I pray in the name of Jesus that we'll go join you. God, we'll go join you where you're at work. We'll go join you in the purpose of your kingdom. We'll go join you in the cause that you're doing. We'll go join you in what you're doing in Grant County. We'll go join you in what you're doing in our church. We'll go join you in what you're doing in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our school. We'll join you because you are already at work. Father, instead of waiting for some day or some gifting, some calling, some work, we'll just go join you right now. We'll go join you right now in what you're doing. And so, Lord, as a body of believers together, I just ask you today to use us. God, it doesn't have to be like you've used anyone else. It doesn't have to be like any other place. It doesn't have to be like another city. This is our place. This is our time. This is our generation. I pray in the name of Jesus, today will be a day of divine change. And God, you'll begin to use us like never before in this place. I ask it all in the name of Jesus. I ask it all by faith that he who began a good work in us will complete it. And I ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Whew. Telling you something's happened here today. And I believe we're going to see change as a result. I believe that. I will encourage you. Join him. Get involved. Jesus said the end is coming, a time when nobody can work. We have a wide open door right now. Let's give it all we've got. Now may the Lord our God, 
creator of the universe and the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. May his hand of grace be upon your life. May you walk in the release of his Holy Spirit. May you live in his power to accomplish through you. May you dream dreams for God you never imagined. May he give you visions of things that are bigger than your ability to complete. May he do the unexpected through you for his glory. May his strength be with you, his Holy Spirit to guide you. When the sun comes up, may his blessings be fresh and new every day in your life. May God fulfill his words in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We sure love you all. Always thankful to be together with you in the house of the Lord. May you have an incredible day today. And may his joy always be your strength. God bless you. May his best be yours.